Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Perkyavos podcast, where we live with the ethics of the Torah. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at rabbishlomacohen at gmail.com. For this week's Mishnah, we begin with Perakei Mishnah Aleph, chapter five, Mishnah number one. Now, before I start, I want to just mention that many of the teachings of the Mishnayos in this chapter are different than previous chapters because in, in the previous chapters, we brought down a Tana, a teacher, that Rebbe Elazar Akap, you know, Rebbe Akiva, we brought down all the Tanoim, um, Rebbe Hananya ben Akashia, we brought down all the different Tanoim. Those are the, the Tanoim are the, the rabbis who would, say the teaching of the Mishnah. We brought it down in their name. And they would teach that the, the ideas that they live their lives by. In chapter 5, in Perak Hay, we see that most of the Mishnayis do not have Tanoim authors attributed. The Mishnayis are not attributed to any specific author. That's one point. And a second idea or a second thought about chapter five is that we see that it's a lot of, I shouldn't say history, but there's a lot of historical, it's more than historical facts, but we're, we're going to learn from these historical facts. It's more historical info, information as well as ideas that we can learn from. Now, going back to our original point, which I mentioned is that in this chapter, there's no, there's a lot of the Mishnayas are listed without names. And why is that? What changed from the previous Mishnayas where we list every Mishnah with a Tana, with an author, with a rabbi, to now to the fifth chapter where many of the teachings are, are anonymous or not listed by anybody as their author? So one answer I saw is that the Mishnayis in chapter five are dealing with ideas that are so widespread and well-known by people that it's, it's, it's not attributed to one person. Things that are givens, that are just people know, you don't have to attribute it to one single person. It's out there. So you might say, why does it have to be brought down? If, if it is, if these ideas are known by people, if these teachings are already widespread, why does the Mishnah have to bring it down for? The Mesil Shisharim brings down in the introduction to his Sefer, or Rabbi Chaim Latato brings down in the introduction to Mesil Shisharim, that when he, the, the reason why he's writing his Sefer of Mesil Shisharim, which is a self-help book, it's a Musr it's the study of Musr, the study of self-improvement, the ways we can become better and how we can have a closer relationship with Hashem. He writes that the ideas which he's expressing are not ideas which are not known to people. Rather, they are so widespread that that's why he's bringing it down because sometimes it's the things which are so known to people so open, so well-known that people tend to forget. It's so obvious 
that people don't bring it to the forefront of their mind. And that that's the the risk associated with things that are so open and well-known is that we tend to see it as so obvious or we take it for granted that, and we forget about it. So the Mishnah, even though it's not attributing, it's not attributing any Mishnah or most of the Mishnayos to any one teacher, it's because these ideas are very well-known. And at the same time, it's important for us to know these and to review well-known ideas and widespread ideas. So it stays in the forefront of our mind and we don't forget it and take it for granted and it's gone. So that's one thought about chapter five. So let's start with the Mishnah. The world was created. The world was created with 10 utterances. What does this come to teach us? It could have been that Hashem could have created the world with one utterance. So what's the reason why God created the world with 10? And the Mishnah answers, to pay back the wicked people who destroy the world that was created with 10 utterances. And the Mishnah continues, and to give reward to the righteous who uphold the world with that was created with 10 utterances. We have a statement, a question, and two answers. Statement. The world was created with 10 utterances. That means God, we see in, in Beratius that there were 10 Statements which created the world. Let's go through them quickly. Number one, in the beginning of God's creating the heavens and earth. That's the first utterance. Number two, God said, let there be light. Number three, God said, let there be a firmament. Number four, God said, let the waters beneath the heaven be gathered into one area and let the dry land appear. Number five, God said, let the earth sprout vegetation. Number six, God said, let there be luminaries in the, in the firmament of the heaven. Number seven, God said, let the waters teem with teeming living creatures, fish in the, in, in the water. Number eight, God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures, animals. Number nine, God said, let us make man in our, in our image after our likeness. God created man. Number 10, God said, behold, I have given to you all herbage yielding seed that is on the surface of the entire earth and every tree that has seed, seed yielding fruit, it shall be yours for food. That God's giving man permission to eat the trees of the land. So those are the 10 utterances. Now the question is, is why did God have to use 10 utterances to create the world? Couldn't he have done it in water utterance? God is an, is a infinite God. He could do anything. Why did he have to make 10 separate statements to make the world to come into being the way we know it? Why couldn't he have said, let the world be? And we would know everything would come. The trees would, the world would have been created with a fully 
developed trees and animals and human beings and water and sun and stars. Why was it necessary to have 10 different statements which created the world? Why did God need to do this? And it's what, what makes the question even stronger is that we know that Hashem, that God, doesn't do extra. He doesn't do things extra. He doesn't just do it because he feels like it. He only does, and, and especially regarding miracles, it's brought down that when Hashem makes a miracle, he only makes it, he makes the miracle as much as possible in the quote-unquote laws of nature. So what's the idea? Why did he have to say 10 utterances for the world to be created? What's it coming to teach us? There obviously is a reason. So why, what is the lesson that we can learn from the fact that the world was created in 10, I guess, steps? So you call it, what can we take out of that? So there's a few different answers which I want to say tonight. And we'll start with the actual wording of the Mishnah. And what did the Mishnah say? It says, Why did Hashem create the world in 10 utterances? Because it was to pay back the wicked people who destroy the world that was created in 10 utterances and to give reward to the righteous who, who keep up the world that was created with 10 utterances. Seems a little bit vague. I'm not, you know, on a simple level, it seems a little bit hard to understand. So the Ramban, Nachmanides, explains that Hashem brought the world into existence with 10 utterances to teach us that every part of creation is important and that there's an ordered system. There's a there's a there's an ecosystem. There's a there's an ordered system. Everything has its place and time, and everything is, is, is exactly where it's supposed to be. In science, we learn about the ecosystem. What's the ecosystem? How everything is connected, everything in nature is connected to each other. If you pour a, a poisonous chemical into the sewer, you could be affecting creatures miles away because the water flows into the tributaries and the tributaries go into the, to the creeks and those creeks feed vegetation and the animals eat the vegetation and then you know we eat the animals so we can have a chain effect. And the famous example that we all know about ecosystems, and I remember this being taught to me in school, is that in the 1970s, there was a famous pesticide that was used, or up until the 1970s, it was called DDT. Don't ask me what that stands for. I just remember the, the abbreviation of the word. And they noticed that the bald eagles, their eggs were becoming very, very soft. And the scientists couldn't figure out What's the reason why these bald eagles, that their eggs are becoming so soft that when they sit on it, it's crushing their offspring? And they discovered that the runoff from the crops that's washing this pesticide is going into the water, and the water is going to the vegetation and so on and so forth until it's getting to the bald eagles. From Because of that, or maybe it was other creatures as well, as well DDT is illegal in the United States. So this is a, a perfect example for us how everything in nature is connected to each other. Everything 
there's an interconnection between the plants and the water and the animal and the dirt and the soil and even the bugs. Everything has its job. Everything has a purpose. Now, it's not just in the physical world that we have an ecosystem. There's a spiritual ecosystem as well. When we do a mitzvah, it's not an isolated act. When we do an avera, a sin, it's not something that's in a vacuum. Everything we do is connected. When we do something good, when we do a mitzvah, we don't, besides from making ourselves better people, we make the world a better place. We make it a holier place. We are perfecting the world. We are fulfilling the reason that God put us here to make the world a better place, to make it a more perfect place. And at the same time, the flip side is also true that when we do an Avera, we make the world worse. So it comes out that when somebody does something good or bad, it, it really affects a lot. Because, so now, if we look back at the Mishnah, we have a better understanding. Why did Hashem create the world with 10 utterances? Number one is to pay back, the, to, to punish the wicked who destroy the world that was created in 10 utterances. Meaning the sheer chutzpah of somebody who's doing a avera, doing a sin, he's not just wreaking havoc on himself, he's wreaking havoc on the world. That's what it means when he says that to pay them back, to pay back the people who are destroying the world that was created with 10 utterances because it's not just about him. You're, you're making the world the worst place. So therefore, it's something which deserves punishment. Now on the flip side, if someone does something good, they're deserving of a great reward because they're making the world a better place. So when we say to pay back the righteous people who, who are making the world that was created with 10 utterances a better place, we understand that because somebody who's doing something good and it's not just about him or her, it's really making the whole world better, they're deserving of a great reward. And therefore, it's, it's helping us get an understanding and realize the importance of man because we are a vehicle to make this world a better place or a worse place. So when we do what we're supposed to be doing, we're worthy of a great reward. And, we, and when we don't do what we're supposed to be doing, it's not so good. I guess a person is worthy of getting a great punishment. It's just this, it's a mindset, it's a realization that everything in this world has its place and everything is connected. Now, I wanted to finish with just a little bit more over here. On a deeper level, the Maharal explains that 10, why is it 10? Why did God create the world with 10 utterances? Why not five utterances? Why not six? Why not 25? So he brings down a very deep idea that numbers one through nine are entities unto themselves. Number 10 represents something which is diverse and has multiplicity, but comes together to, to form a whole. Again, one through nine 
is its own entity, but 10 is something which is multiple that comes together to make a whole. It's showing this idea. If Hashem wouldn't have used 10 utterances to create the world to show us that many things are coming together, many diverse things are coming together, we never would have known this idea that everything in the world, that there's an order, that there's a that there's a chain of events, that everything has is connected. We would never have known that idea. So it's only because of the fact that there's 10 utterances do we realize that. And I really just want to finish with this thought that there's something called the butterfly effect. And the butterfly effect is that if, you, if a butterfly flaps its wings, somewhere in South America, it causes a tsunami in India because that little flap of the wings builds up and builds up and builds up till it reaches the other side of the world and it turns into, into, into a tsunami. So this butterfly effect is, is expressed in our Mishnah because like I mentioned before, is that when we do things, we shouldn't just look at it that we're just doing a mitzvah. Who does it affect? Who benefits from it? So of course, I think it's obvious to everybody that when you do a mitzvah, you benefit from it. You benefit now in this world and you benefit in, in the world to come. But it's when you do something good as another effect that it's making, it's the butterfly effect. It's making the world a better place because when you do something good, someone else, it's causing a spiritual effect that someone else, somewhere else you never met decides to do something good. It could be because of the fact that you sat and learned Torah, someone else on the other side of the world gets this sense of inspiration to look into their heritage, to the Jewish heritage. You'll never know this until you come upstairs, but it's something that we have to have in our mind and realize that mitzvos, it's not, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. There's a butterfly effect, a spiritual butterfly effect that every time we do a mitzvah or God forbid an Avera, a sin, it could have the other effect as well, that when we do something bad, it could causes the world to become worse in a way. But we're going to focus on the mitzvos. That when we, I mean, we have to really re realize both that it's, it's, it's on zel umazel. You know, this one, it's each side of the equation equally. We have to have both of them in our mind, but we could focus on the positive of the doing. That when we do things, realize it's not just about us, it's about the whole world. Just a quick review about this Mishnah. Number one is the importance of realizing or reviewing things which are very obvious. And that's hopefully going to be, God willing, this, this chapter. Number two is the fact that God created the world in 10 utterances. Teaches us that there's an order to the world. Everything is connected. And number three is when we do mitzvot, or God forbid, if we if we fall and we sin, it's not an isolated incident. We have the things we do affect the world. And we can remember the ecosystem and the butterfly effect. So it's the importance of our own actions. And we should realize that it's not just about us. It's about making the, the world a better place and that 
We are the vehicles. Hashem has chosen us. God has chosen us to be the vehicle to make this world a more perfect place. And we should be worthy of that mission and job. So with that, I want to conclude today's Mishnah on the Perky Avos podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at rabbishlamokon at gmail.com. Have a great day.